0: Greetings today, it's Dr. Fiona Lovely, Not Your Mother's Menopause podcast, Making Hormones Make Sense. I hope everyone's having a great day. I thought I'd take a moment today to talk about breast health. I really would like to just focus today on keeping things uh, helpful Uh, you know, unfortunately what happens with women after a certain age is that when we talk about breast health, we're essentially talking about breast cancer. And, um, I don't believe it has to be that way. I think the culture around that is part of the reason that we're having as many issues as we are is because we're literally just waiting for it to show up. And I think there's a much healthier way to do that. So, of course, breast tissue itself, uh, Once it is done nourishing our babes, if you will, breastfeeding our children, then there's sort of that prevailing thought or undercurrent in women's health that now we just sort of wait around for them to become uh, cancer or malignant. And I, again, I think there's a much better way to to look at the tissues that are our female reproductive organs and keep them healthy for life. So let's dive right into that. So the first thing you want to know about breast. Health is that the ratio of estrogen to progesterone, the primary female reproductive hormones, uh, is critical in assessing what how healthy your breast tissue is. So it turns out that estrogen is a lot more biologically active. At smaller amounts than progesterone is estradiol in particular, which is one of about, uh, at last count, nine different substances that make up what we call estrogen. And estradiol is the big player when we are in our reproductive years. As we stop cycling and move into menopause, uh, then estrone and estriol become bigger players. But uh, for this uh, class today, we'll just talk about um, primarily estradiol. So you want to have someone assess your estrogen to progesterone ratio. And looking at that is going to give us a really big, great clue into uh, how healthy your breast tissue is and whether or not you have an increased risk for having troubles uh, as you age. So it turns out the more estrogen we have in relation to the progesterone that we have on board, the higher our risk for breast cancer. So the question then becomes, well, what elevates estrogen? And if you refer back to earlier podcast on estrogen dominance, uh, lots more information there for sure. But just to recap, uh, birth control pill, and hormone replacement therapy are definitely uh, huge sources of estrogen for women, as is soy, uh, whether it's uh, dietary or in a supplement. There's lots of supplements out there that also have um, estrogen-like substances in them that can elevate uh, elevate estrogen. Um, Also, uh, there are... um, You've probably heard the discussion about uh, BPA or bisphenol A, which is the chemical that leaches out of soft plastics and into our food when we microwave it. Our water bottles, when we let them get heated up and then drink out of them anyways, that is an estrogen mimicker, and it is something that you really want to be watching out for. So it's, you know, it, it uh, when someone tells you to not microwave in plastics, it's something you need to pay attention to. Uh, do your best to drink out of... Um, glass containers rather than plastic containers and uh, try very much not to use things like saran wrap which can leach um, bisphenol A into your food. Again, it is a it is a estrogen mimicker and um, was known to cause troubles with hormone balance in the seventies. But they chose to use it anyways. Um, that's another podcast. Certainly, chemicals, air pollution, uh, carpet backing, paint, cosmetics. There is a lot of different places that we can get elevated estrogen. Um, that's the exogenous estrogen or the estrogen that comes from the outside. And of course, when you look at it completely with the stuff on the inside, the endogenous stuff, uh, estrogen, then that's where you can get that estrogen to progesterone ratio. And of course, you know this because I hammer home this detail as often as I can. If your progesterone production isn't good enough in perimenopause, then that's another reason you can have estrogen dominating over progesterone. And of course, the single biggest factor in whether or not you make enough progesterone yourself in perimenopause is whether or not you allow your body to rest and be stress-free. So when you're looking at the hormones, the saliva testing is the gold standard there. So the blood or serum testing won't give us the information we're looking for. You need to seek out a practitioner that will do saliva testing for you. And as I've mentioned, for breast health, you want to decrease stress. You want to increase your movement. So do something pleasurable where you're moving your body every day. It doesn't need to be for a long time. It just needs to be uh, focused and uh, for your health and lifestyle. You want to decrease your processed foods. You want to increase your uh, clean filtered water, two to three liters of water a day. Try to drink most of it before noon. Then it won't keep you up at night. Uh, Increase your healthy fats intake, Um, nuts, seeds, fish, avocados, eggs, organic, healthy olive and coconut oils uh, will help that as well. And, of course, you want to decrease your sugar intake. All of those things are very healthy for breast health. You know, one of the other things that we see in women who have... um, uh, either had breast cancer or have an increased risk for breast cancer is the iodine deficiency. Now, this is something that is a bit um, controversial, and depending on the training and open-mindedness of the practitioner that you're going to see and ask these questions of, um, they may or may not agree with me here, and that's fine. The research is there; they just need to look for it. Uh, so, we see iodine deficiency uh, in women who have had breast cancer, and um, the best way for you to supplement is dietarily. So make sure you're eating on a weekly basis foods that have iodine in them. There's not a lot, so my recommendation to you is Google them and pick a few off that list. Um, Probably the easiest thing for most uh, people would be to make sure you're eating sushi with the nori. That's the seaweed wrap. Once or twice a week um, will get you a long way there. Also, make sure you have a natural Celtic sea salt or Himalayan pink salt uh, to replace the trace minerals and give you some of that iodine as well. Um, and Salt your vegetables liberally. The only people that really have troubles with salt are ones that have kidney disease. It's not something we associate with heart disease anymore. That has been proven incorrect. Now, the one thing I will say about that is if you are dehydrated and you have a high salt diet, your heart is going to struggle. So you need to uh, take a look at those habits and say, can I be eating a better diet? Can I be increasing my water intake so that I'm getting two to three liters of clean filtered water every day? And um, and then, of course, you can go ahead and uh, when you're eating natural foods, you'll crave the salt. And please do salt your veggies because it's tastier that way. But again, natural Celtic sea salt or Himalayan pink salt if you're doing that. Also... At a certain age, and depending on where you are in the world, you may be recommending, you may be recommended by your uh, primary care physician uh, over the age of 40. Um, Some countries, it's over the age of 50, you're getting a yearly mammogram. Now, um, a mammogram, let me be clear, does put radiation into sensitive tissues. Tissues that are sensitive. To the ionizing effects of radiation, meaning radiation uh, exposure does cause cancer. I know it's a bit of a head scratcher, right? You're like, well, why did they do it that way? That's a terrible way to do it. I totally agree. Not to mention, I think that the machines are a bit... um Oh, really, like torture devices. Uh, I often say to my patients, imagine if uh, a man had to uh, have a yearly uh, testicular exam in a uh, mammogram machine. I'm pretty sure there'd be much better technology really fast if that had to happen. Anyways, um, something I want you to consider instead of having a yearly mammogram when you get to the age where it's recommended or if you have an elevated uh, breast cancer risk or uh, history, uh, family history of breast cancer or you're positive for the breast cancer gene, then consider having the thermogram instead. So a breast thermogram or breast thermography, what that means is they're going to put you into a cool and darkened room. And you will uh, uh, acclimatize to that temperature. I think it takes about 15 minutes or so. And then uh, you're going to have a technician is going to snap a photograph of your breast tissue using an extremely sensitive camera that picks up differentiation and heat. And what we know from the thermograms is that... uh, well, we know cancer is really metabolically busy, so it throws off a ton of heat. So if you have a, uh, a cancer growing or something else metabolically active growing in your breast tissue, it will show up on the thermogram. If there's nothing there, it won't show up at all. So I like to look at the breast thermogram as sort of a a pre-mammogram, if you will. So yearly have the thermogram. If nothing shows up, and understand these photographs are read by a radiologist who specializes in reading thermograms. Uh, looks at it and says, nothing here to worry about, then don't worry about it to the year after. If at any point you start to show elevated uh, heat signals uh, in your breast tissue, then that's the time you would go and have a mammogram. I think we'll see the breast cancer risk. If every woman did this, if traditional medicine recommended thermogram first instead of mammogram, I think we'd see the breast cancer risk go way down. Breast cancer incidence would go way down, if you will. Uh, finally, I just like to give you a little, uh, kind of a, a funny little story. So, um, I was once listening to Dr. Northrup talk about breast health and she told the story, if I remember it correctly, of a patient of hers who, uh, gave her boobs a hug every day and said, girls you're safe with me. <laughs> I think that's glorious. I think that's a really good way to look at um, our breast tissue as as friends, um, you know, for a lot of reasons that I'll just leave aside at this point. So um, one of the things I like to do is um, and like to recommend to my patients is a happy boob massage, a happy breast breast massage. And so uh, what you do is um, you can use a little bit of essential oil here. I like the doTERRA essential oils, and in this case we'd be using the clary sage oil. And you would put two to three drops in your palm with ten or so drops of the fractionated coconut oil that you can also get from do- doTERRA and do a uh, circular massage of your breasts. This is a great thing to do daily out of the shower after your bath. Uh, Not only are you going to, and and of course, have nothing but healthy and loving thoughts. Girls, You're Safe With Me is a really great place to start. And also remember something, um, these, these tissues nourished your babes. If you had children and if they didn't, I'm going to bring your awareness to something. The next time you hug somebody that you just are so grateful for or really, really love, just notice that just that tingle that you get. Uh, in your and your chest tissue, um, when you hug them, just just for a fraction of a second, that's the release of oxytocin, the tendon pre- befriend neurotransmitter uh, gets released from the brain, and of course we we nourish people, we nourish ourselves from that tissue. So you feel that release actually in your breast tissue when that happens. So cool. So you can do it yourself, um, certainly at home. Breast tissue, Clary Sage Oil, DoTerra. Uh, A little bit of coconut oil. I mean, most of us do um, uh, a lotion after we get out of the shower anyways. You might as well make a ritual out of it. You might as well make it a health ritual. This is a much better way of doing it than doing those sort of monthly nasty breast poke and prod and see if there's a lump. Who wants to do that? I don't want to do that and find a lump there. That would scare the crap out of me. My way of doing it is to have a healthy ritual where I say, girls, you're safe with me. Here's some nice smelling oil. Turns out clary sage has been shown to over the years used as a, as a natural way to balance hormones, um, to make your skin soft and supple. I mean, you can't go wrong. Anyways, uh. I will post the details of the uh, clary sage and coconut oil products on the Facebook page which is a really nice segue into uh, I hope you have got something out of this one today. I've really enjoyed sharing this information. Ooh, This has turned out to be a longer than usual one. Hope it was good. Uh, Go to our Facebook page. Leave a comment. Not your mother's menopause, making hormones make sense is the Facebook page. Uh, Also you can carry on the conversation with me anytime, email me directly, Lovely at drlovely.expert. Have a great day. Thanks for listening. The views and nutritional advice expressed by Dr. Fiona Lovely are not intended to be a substitute for conventional medical service. If you have or suspect that you have a medical problem, promptly contact your health care provider. No information offered here should be interpreted as a diagnosis of any disease, nor an attempt to treat or prevent or cure any disease or condition. As with any new advice or program, you should always contact your health care provider prior to starting anything new. Thank you